welcome everyone to another InventRight TV show. My name is Andrew Krauss. I co-founded InventRight with Stephen Key over 21 years ago. We've had students in over 65 countries during that time. We have a very special guest on today. His name is Brian Bricker. He's one of our former students and he licensed a couple products. The first one we're going we're gonna to show right here before we get into talking to him is called the Whiskey Wedge and it's sold over 1 million units. So let's take a quick look at this video and then we'll get right into the interview with Ryan. The Whiskey Wedge, the artful way to perfectly chill your favorite spirits. It's the newest slant on sipping whiskey. All right, welcome back. Ryan, really cool product, man. Really, really cool product. Um, and you have another product you're going to talk about too. But let's talk about the whiskey wedge. Let's start, let's just first start off with how did you come up with this idea? It's so, it's a really it's really practical idea. It's a fun idea. It's a cool idea. Some people when they're drinking, they, they want to look cool, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Right. I, I didn't I didn't talk to you about that before. Is there a cool factor here? Well, literally, it's cool. Literally, it's nice. yeah. um, <laughs> it, you know, it's a visual. So where the idea came up from, I was actually kind of working, not working, but I, I, this worked a little bit backwards. It wasn't an idea that I had just on my own out of thin air. I had met um, the owners of the company Corksicle, and they had their own kind of product that they invented, which looks like this. I wish I had it. Looks like an icicle that goes in a bottle of wine, mm -hmm. and they did a, they did an incredible job kind of bringing that product to market. And just through some conversations, he was like, you know, hey, help us come up with new ideas. And so for me, it was a very easy transition to like, okay. You've got kind of wine cover. Let's move into kind of the spirits and liquors. And, and it was just kind of looking what was out there and what did I like? Well, I love the feel of a heavy glass and I love kind of a, a large piece of ice in the glass. But I was like, what if we did something different where the glass didn't move around and hit your nose? And, and how could it adhere to the glass and be more of a visual product? And it was literally that simple to have it, to create a triangle of ice that's kind of stuck in the glass. And so it is cool and it, it you know it creates a visual experience not just the functional experience and so i mean it's a, it's a classic very very simple idea but it's just uh for them it's just been one of their kind of perennial products and did, did you say I, I i'm trying to solve a particular problem with this or or was it kind of like you yeah. came up with it and then you're like oh yeah it solves this problem because not all inventors are like specifically trying to solve a problem so you come up with cool stuff and you're like oh but it does have this and this benefit or were you directly it was the was the ice cubes hitting your nose and you didn't like that was that it or exactly it was well it was you know the initial premise was how can i create something different in that space and so for me that's where the idea of a ice that wasn't moving ice that was kind of visual and really kind of functional i thought about how the kind of the drink, the whiskey was flowing off the edge of of the ice angle. And so, you know, a problem, not a problem in the sense that real problems of people's lives, but a problem in the sense of kind of how can you functionally kind of do something different with ice in the shape and form and the way that it's kind of put in the glass to create a different product, to differentiate yourself in the market. Most inventors are very visual, most inventors. But you're you're an architect, so you're probably very visual with trying to solve problems. Do you do you feel that lent itself to this the way you're thinking about it? Yeah, 
hundred percent. It's very. I'm both visual and kind of, I call it form and function. That mm-hmm. when I and I think a lot of inventors are like this. They see something that's not working optimally or correctly or feels funny. It's not balanced. So what if it did this or had this feature? And so when you combine kind of funk features, things that do things, and kind of the form, what is it? Is it can it be beautiful? Can it be simple and clean? And so, like to me, that's as a designer, I'm trying to marry both the the form and the function together, and that creates a great product. That way, someone sees it on the shelf and and intuitively knows kind of oh, that's sees what it does and, and kind of wants to buy that product. So you've sold over a million units with this company Cork School that you licensed to. How does that make you feel? Uh, it's great. You know, it's it's amazing. I. You know what really makes me feel good is is that going to online and on Instagram, seeing people kind of tag, you know, hashtag whiskey wet, and 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 showing this gift because a lot of times it's a gift that someone receives or gives, and to see people kind of share your product and that you know Uncle Joe gave me this this awesome glass, and seeing real people really use it, share it, uh, that's what really it just brings joy that you had this you know that one simple idea. Uh, that people are out there kind of sharing. Who, who's buying this? Women, men, women are buying it for men as a gift. I Anybody? think so. Like when I talk to, and that's a great question. It's like you get into the mind of the buyer and yeah. the buyer and the consumer can be different. And so in this case, I think, you know, in talking to the brand, it's a lot of women are buying it in their different retail spheres for men. So they're buying it for the men in their life. And, and so that's another way to be, approaching kind of the way you're thinking about products like who's purchasing it, it right. purchasing it for somebody so in this case they know uncle joe loves whiskey i bet he doesn't have this he they see this and, and so it's a perfect gift idea yeah nice so did you find out about the concept of licensing from us or did you know about it before I have never heard of it in my life, and I had always been kind of this inventing i've always had ideas and I thought inventing meant building some giant hovercraft in your backyard and crazy patents and you just leveraged your house and now you're broke. Um, and so I never, I never did anything with any ideas I had until I was reading, you know, Tim Ferriss's book Four hour work week where he introduces Stephen key and the idea of licensing. I immediately read, um, one simple idea it's on my bookshelf right there. And just the idea of licensing, like, that just was like, oh, that changed everything for me. I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to take things to market. I can just take my ideas. And that's kind of what I do for a living in architecture. It's like I'm just putting ideas on paper and other people are building it. And so for me, once I learned about licensing, uh, that really changed the game. That, I'm, like, sure that, you, I'm sure you're good. I, I haven't seen anything you built as an architect, but I, I'm pretty certain you're a good architect. But is there a difference between being um, serving a client, one client, this is what I want, give me what I want, maybe it's not what you want to do, and doing something like this where it's all you, well, it's not all you, you're looking at customers, you're looking at the company, but you came up with the invention. Does it does it take things up a little notch from what you've experienced as an architect to like, as far as being fulfilling and expressing yourself and doing what you really want, not just what that one client wants because they're paying you? You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. No, it is. It's a little more. You know, they're both of them have the idea of of creating something that's new and novel. 
whether I'm designing a, a place or a plaza or a bridge, like I'm, I, a lot of times I'm trying to create something that has a shape and form maybe that's new, but you are also working with a lot of kind of standard parts, if you will, and in creating products, you're right. It, well, let, let me put it this way. You're satisfying you are, you are, a million, yeah. over a million people with this thing. And, Maybe people can come into something you designed as an architect over time and they enjoy it and you could satisfy a million people. But um, you created this thing and people are like really interacting. They're not walking by it or kind of noticing it. They're like using it and telling their friends and family about it. It must be something new for you to a certain extent. Well, it's totally new. Yeah, it's just, it has a totally different layer of intimacy because you're holding it. And the big thing is if a million people go visit a, pro a project of mine, like I don't get paid a million times. <laughs> so total game changer when you get paid each time someone buys something. So that's, that's the, the big shift for sure. Yeah. So, um, well, let's, I want to talk about things that you struggle with, with licensing, but first I want you to show your other product cause it's really cool too. So uh, along that very same line of thinking is form and function when i smoke cigars too whenever i had a cigar and a glass let's say i would hold it like this i always hold the glass and the cigar in the same hand and i'm very just simple it's like what if the what if the glass started to perform that function for me and just just by adding this kind of enclosure that can kind of hold the cigar now i can kind of set my glass down with my cigar i can hold it much easier together and so it's just a very classic form and function idea. I mean, if that's not simple, I don't know. You're, Even you're, though there's a just lot a, of engineering that went into that. that oh, it wasn't as simple as, as you think. Were there manufacturing issues with that one? Yeah, it took, it, it took about two years for us to figure out how to manufacture that correctly. Wow. It's, it's a really complicated way to blow glass kind of inverted like that. So uh, it took time. How many how, how many units has that one sold? I have, I haven't added up. I mean, maybe maybe half a million or on its way. Wow, but it's, wow. hasn't okay. been in the market as long. Can you combine the two products? Can you use them together? Yeah, I, I literally I did. I showed an option for that. I was like, well, we could do both. It you know, but a little got a little silly. But um, yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us, because you know, when we bring people on that that have licensed product, you, you never you never licensed a product before, right? I had not. Uh, these were my two. You know, I tried to. I also I created a logo once. I trademarked it and and licensed a T-shirt okay. idea, uh, right. and then somebody came after me for that infringement of licensing really, a logo. Wow. Well. It was they it was trademark and they thought it was trademark infringement, oh, okay. which is from my alma my college alma mater. I don't, don't want to get you don't want your your college like coming after you. But anyway, <laughs> different. Story. Well, they come after you all the time. They always want money from you, right? They not that yeah. way, but they want you to donate money. So. I was already donating. I'm like, guys, now you guys want to like come after my <laughs> IP, so whatever. But 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 anyway, so you're fairly new to licensing, and so what were some? Everybody struggles with different things. Obviously, you got a pretty strong design background, so that part's not that hard for you. But people struggle with different things. What were some of the things that you struggled with? Yeah, I think, yeah, as you said, like the design and idea and communicating and visualizing or even making prototypes or models, 
That's easy. I love that. Like that's kind of my natural gifting. The going out and finding brands. Initially, I was like, oh, I hate that. Can't I just somebody just take my idea? I don't. I don't want to go hunt people down. Um, you know, finding the right brand. Like, that's kind of fun because you learn about different brands. Then going finding the people and contacting them. I initially like hated it, or even some uh-huh. cold calls, or even like hated it, hated it. And then after a while, it becomes a game because you're like trying to get oh. to the right person, finding them. And, you know, after a couple of times, you realize, man, I can find almost anyone and get to them just with enough mm-hmm. digital sleuthing and LinkedIn. You can find almost anyone. And so or, you know, finding a relationship, finding a way in. So then strangely enough, that became fun for me after I hated it. Uh-huh. And. You know, and we've been together at trade shows. Like trade shows are great. Those are it's a great place to meet people, have some actual relationships and follow ups. And so the part that I hated really was finding the companies um, and communicating. Do you like? Did you like? Do you like going to trade shows? I love them. Like I've been to the housewares show like seven years in a row up until you know COVID. Did, and, did you like it a little better because? You can make things happen a little bit faster. I mean, you can make it happen fast on the phone and via LinkedIn and email too, but it's not, you're not looking at somebody. Have you gotten used to the outreach other than trade shows? Like you said, it's a game. How long did it take you to really get there? Was it three months, six months, a year? Did it, were you really like, you know, I I know I, this is kind of fun. Like I've had people tell me, look, I hated it. And I still don't like it, but I know I have to do it. And then I have other people that say, I hated it, but now I actually think it's fun. Like you get an engineer like that's like they think salespeople are evil. And then the last thing that you want that I would ever want to do is reach out and do that. And now that same person is like, I, I'm excited about it. I mean Yeah, it's it's a fun evolution of the product. I don't know how long it took me. I mean, for definitely months, maybe six months. I think once you get a few wins, once you get a few people that oh. just contact you back, once you get find out, you, you know, once it's like anything. Once you just do it a few times and get some momentum, and it's really not that bad. You know, at the end of the day, they're just people. Like you think that there's some, you know, imaginary figure in some kind of fairyland. They're just people at the end of the day, and you're just trying to help them and bring them a, a great new product. Mm-hmm. You sound like me. I've been saying this a lot lately. At the beginning, you're not licensing to a company. You're just trying to get a person, an individual a person like you and me interested so they can show it around at the company. So if we bring it down to that level, it's not like this big, giant company. It's like you're just trying to talk to a person and gain their interest. Does that, did you, it sounds like that helped you. Yeah, 100%. And that's kind of where the trade show helps a little bit once you actually meet some real people. And I mean, You'll find yourself, you know, I got invited to some pretty giant brands. Like they're go go to, hey, if you're in LA, come by uh, the factory and stuff. So it's like, yeah, they're just people at the end of the day. Give yourself uh, some grace and some time, and, and swing the bat a few times, and and keep at it. Like and keep keep counting those nos, keep chalking up those nos. You know. Lot lots of them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about one other thing that I know you wanted to talk about is. Um, the, the benefits, and you want to talk about benefits and downsides of staying in one category, staying with one industry, if you will. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a question I've kind of brought to InventRight. As I've had some success, I think some of my problems is I've 
got a lot of ideas across a lot of categories and they're mainly retail products. And I try to think of products that are fairly easy to make and come to market. I'm not coming up with the next hovercraft car or something. And so that being said, I'm, I'm coming up with, you know, something in housewares or barware or hard hardware or sports equipment or packaging or and the problem with that is, as you know, it's like you get kind of a wide lens and you're having to learn each kind of industry again. And you're, you're just, it's, it's, a, it's a longer game of reaching out. Uh, and I remember asking Steven, I was like, you know, Hey, if I really want to go pro here, you know, and one of his advice was like, man, stick with the category and just dive in. And this makes sense. You know, get to know everyone. If it's toys, get to know all the companies, get to know all the people. And then you start to know the trend and the market. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense for people. It's just hard for me because I'm, I'm thinking of too many different things. But not uh, as hard because you're, you're enjoying it as a game and reaching out. So for you to jump into a completely different industry, you're not so afraid of, of, of reaching out to people you don't know. You know, on LinkedIn or yeah. on the phone or everywhere else. I'm not afraid. It's just harder. You'll get it like, you know, I had a packaging idea. I still have a packaging idea. That's a totally different world than retail products. And, mm-hmm. and I think you even said it. It's a treasure trove if you can break it in because the volumes are huge. But it is so oh. hard to really find out who's actually making this stuff and how they're selling it. And uh, it's just each of these industries are just a little different. And it is kind of fun to figure it out. But it just takes time. But yeah. Well, you, you talked about going pro. So some people are listening. I talked to a guy this morning. He's like, I want to go full time, Andrew. Now he's he was actually currently out of a job. And I'm like, well, first, you need to get a job. So you have the stability of money coming in because it takes a while for money to come in when you're licensing, doesn't it? It's not yeah. like immediate. Yeah. And yeah. so I said, I said, if you really want to go pro, give yourself two to three years and don't quit your day job until you have a couple products licensed because you never know when one can drop off. Maybe it doesn't make sense anymore. What would be, you have any additional advice for somebody that wants to go pro and do it full time? And do you want to do that eventually? Or do you really enjoy architecture and you really enjoy this and you're just going to keep doing both? Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy, but to answer your question, I think, yeah, you've got to, it is, it's kind of a slow game. I mean, it totally depends on the product, totally depends on the brand. If you, think you're just going to quit your day job, uh, you better be getting a product that will also really last. I mean, some of these products are just, you know, could be very seasonal or it could just last a couple of years. It could get knocked off or, I mean, it just, there's so many different factors that go into kind of the lifespan of a product. And to your point, yeah, it doesn't, you know, the moment you have a great idea to pitching it to them, to them wanting it, liking it, signing a deal, and then going through all the R&D and manufacturing. I mean, that could take, it could take a year. It could take multiple years. You know, mm-hmm. in some cases, it could take months, uh, depending on the product. Sure. So, um, you know, until that, you know, royalty income is is very stable and taking over your current kind of income, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a hard thing to do. But I, for me, it's like I still... Uh, enjoy my architecture career and I'm working on some really meaningful product or projects. You know, if I hit the mother load, you know, yeah, I would love to do full-time um, inventing. I, I, you know, I've got to get a couple big home runs to really 
to do that though, I think. Well, yeah. So let's talk about that real quick and then we'll wrap up here. So, yeah. so where in your dream world, where would you like to go uh, with your inventing career? You know, in some ways I feel like I'm living the dream. It's just not landing the deals per se. Like I've had some, a lot of great ideas. I've had a number that have come really close with other some huge companies, I mean, some giant companies and some small, like, and I've just had the full gamut of, of interest to, you know, a giant multinational corporation, like doing full R&D and then kind of pulling the plug at the last second. And so um, if just a few of those really kind of hit, hit um, for me, that would be kind of the dream is to have just, just the way I'm wired is to have different products in different categories yeah yeah and you're enjoying it and And, and you're not a you're not afraid of reaching out anymore they were you weren't afraid you just didn't like it you i always were afraid yeah i mean i was probably afraid at the beginning and they didn't like it and now it's it's kind of fun um but it does take time you know i think that's where some people might get frustrated it's like wow this is taking a long time for them to get back or this Mm -hmm. you know just how do you handle that? You work on how do you? Most of our students will work on multiple projects, so you're keeping yourself busy with right. something while you're waiting to hear back. Or you got you got twenty non-specific no's, not at this time, not a right match, and then you just send it to. I, I tell our students this and and our fans too, and like if you got a lot of non-specific no's, you can resend that to everybody that said no like eight months later, and you know you don't really know what's going on with that marketing manager. Like you didn't get to have a conversation with them. They didn't give you specifics. And they were just so, they might have liked, loved your product, but they're so busy with so many projects and so many emails. And they're like, not at this time, but they were like, this is really cool, but you had no idea. So you send it eight months later and two weeks later, their boss said, we need new products. And now that same one that said no, and if you're not doing this, I'd advise you to do, is now showing interest. Now, if five companies say it won't work because of this or it's a relationship like Corkscrew, like you have, and you know, and you got to talk to them, and they're like, no, because of this. You know, okay, maybe you don't resend to them. But so there's a lot of and ways. To, I've, I've shown things multiple times because they've got new people in. Oh, they've got a new marketing person, new head of them. You know, um, yeah, you don't. So you, you never, that was your personal experience too. That's how you've done that. I, I've rebirthed in multiple projects. <laughs> I love that. In fact, I just re-showed and one of my very first ideas, and I, Corkscrew had seen it, but I kind of recon. Hey, would you reconsider this now that you're doing more of these products in this market? You weren't three years ago. Right. Now maybe this makes sense. Because right. some of it is just, it's the markets they're in. Um, because some of what I try to do, and I know you guys are really good at make, letting your students know. Hey, don't show somebody a, a brand something that has nothing to do with what you know. Don't show them yeah. a coffee product if they make you know military gun holsters or something. <laughs> but but at the same time, there is even like with these products, like they weren't doing stuff with liquor; they were doing wine. If to get the pe- them to think a little bit tangentially, what's a product just outside of what they're doing, but they should do, and that they're retailers or, or their customers would buy so yeah but i, I love that it's so so i mean you, you've done a million units of the whiskey wedge maybe somewhere around a half million other one 
for our fans to and our viewers to listen to you hear you say that, that you've rebirthed products because it's really hard for people sometimes to move on from their first product to their second project when they're new to it and they actually start working on it. I'm not talking about dreaming stuff up, but actually working on it. So for you to say, look, I rebirth products all the time. That's very encouraging. I really, I'm very glad you said that. And people need to hear that. That they're, they're not one trick ponies. They're creative people. They need to keep yeah. going. And you don't have to put your garbage in the, your, your product in the garbage can. I mean, you just put it in the closet for a bit and you rebirth it. As you said, I've never heard anybody say that you use a rebirth. I love that. Well, and you might find a new company later. Like, you know what? Let me show you this one idea yeah. that I, this might be perfect for you. But, but you also, at the same time, you don't hold on to it like this. You kind of put it on the desk and you work on other stuff. And that's really hard for new inventors. Yeah, that's super important. You And you kind of mentioned that in the waiting game. I mean, I've got, I got other things. I got plenty of things to do. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. It's like, how are you moving other ideas along while this one, you know, this one's in the pitch phase and you're contacting and this one you're still tinkering and I, we, I think you're right. to, that helps we, you with the We momentum. need to wrap up, but on that note, um, not all creative people are organized. I don't know if you're organized or you're not organized. Just real quick, how important is organization when you are working on multiple products? Yes, yeah, super, super important in just organizing your time. Your time and your energy is what I'm kind of learning. i got to focus. I mean, I have a whole other life and three kids. and we're, So it's like I've got to focus my energy as much as my time. And so it, it, to whatever tools that work for you and just really scheduling and putting things in categories and kind of chunking and focusing time, whether, hey, I'm, I'm pitching and emailing at this time and these days and I'm putting chunks of time to draw or dream or prototype over here um it's huge if you don't plan and schedule and organize you're oh it's just going to be really hard to be successful well i'm glad you heard it right here guys from from ryan bricker so ryan thank you so much time for take thank you so much for taking your time out of your very busy day to, to share your experience it's it's just real man thanks yeah. for sharing the upsides as well as the downsides and your thoughts and going to help people that they've never reached out to a single company, but they're like, yeah, that's the mindset I need to get in. It's going to be really helpful for folks. So thank Absolutely. you. And I'm just like one of you guys. I was a student and just read a book and had a, the bulb go off and just, um, and just went after it. So I cool. just want to encourage all of you guys to just, I mean, go get after it. Swing the bat. I mean, the worst thing you could do is, you know, swing and a miss. Oh, well, you know, keep going. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. So I want everybody to take care, keep inventing, and we'll catch you for the next time. See you guys. Bye. There's a great idea in each of us. But it's truly magical to see it come to life. Sharing your creativity with the world has never been easier. We can help. Thank you.